Welcome to Talk Design, the show where creatives have conversations. I'm Adrian Ramsey and I'm your host. Having lived a life of design myself, I wanted to share with you the creatives that inspire me and in turn may inspire you. Thank you for listening. I hope you enjoy. My guest on Talk Design today is Anna Maria Torres, and her business is At Architects and based in New York City. Anna Maria has a, a fascinating story and an absolute passion for what she calls the human condition. Now, we could take the human condition in many different ways, but we're going to unpack today a little bit about what the human condition is from Anna Maria's point of view and from her client's point of view and what's made her business so successful. Um, Anna Maria, welcome to Talk Design. Thank you so much, Adrian, for having me. It's a uh, pleasure. Absolute pleasure to have you here. Um, let's start with nothing about the human condition. Let's start with, um, <laughs> let's forget about that. I'll come back to that another time. Um, no, let's start with, um, kind of bounce around a bit. You currently, like you live in New York City, but I want to also bounce back through your childhood pieces and kind of how you got to New York City without getting too bogged down in it. Um, as a child, so you, you're Spanish descent, um, you know, born yes, in I Spain. Am. Yeah. Yes. And yes. Um, but I know that you also travelled around a lot as a as a child. So tell me a bit about that, and then how. Uh, when you realised your fascination for architecture or for design, um, even beyond architecture? Well, um, yes, I am from Spain and it's very obvious with my accent. It is. Beautiful accent. <laughs> I, I, it's, um, it's impossible. I don't know. I think I am very attached <laughs> to be from Spain. Then, um, yeah, I was actually born in the Canary Islands in uh -huh. Tenerife. But when I was 15 days old, uh, they, my parents brought me to the Sahara. Wow. Uh, and uh, I grew up there in and out between there and Spain and kind of coming back. And then we were traveling a little bit in some areas in Europe because my father didn't like to be in one place for too long. And a <laughs> yeah, then it was I, I, one of the things that I remember, and actually it was very hard for me, it was uh, that uh, I never finished my school year like every other child. I maybe will begin the same like everybody else, but then I will do the exams before anybody else separated because my family was moving to someplace else. And it's kind of an irony because then... As I was growing up, if we were in one place for more than a year, I was like, oh, are, are we moving? Are, are we staying here for too long? <laughs> it was kind of, and, it's, and, and that stayed with me. Sometimes it's like, oh, I need to travel. Oh, I have been here for I've too been, long. I've been staying to too long. Yeah, I need to move. It must, then, have, it must have developed a massive skill for you in... Um, creating new friendships and becoming um, comfortable in new spaces with new people. Uh, actually, that was very hard. Yeah. I, I have I made friends, but I knew then they will be gone. Yeah. You know, in, you need to think then the in Spain and all the now friends that I have, they grow up in the same city. Yeah. The families in the same city. They go to the university almost in the same city or very close by, then I was the only one. Then I was all over the place. Yeah. <laughs> then um, that, but I, I, how can I explain this? It was hard for me to make friends because I am very attached to my friends and it's right. very difficult for me to let them go. Mm -hmm. And because it was so hard to let them go, then... Um, I was kind of, you know, not very easy to open up, uh, but it very, I was very adaptable. I am very uh, adaptable. Yeah. To, to so that's the just from the, from the um, growth of that kind of environment and the harshness of, you know, well, not harshness, but the, the outcome of constantly moving created you to be highly adaptable. Yeah. Then and, I am, 
I am very adaptable and I, I am not attached too much to things, but I am attached to people. So ah, to people see, what a beautiful it's kind thing. of very, very difficult for me to let go. To people, people are your I, things. I, yeah, people, the, the people that I love, I love, and it's very difficult for me to let them go. That's then, beautiful. Uh, mm. <laughs> well, know? it's, it, you know, like you often um, think, you know, there's this sort of formative years, and in your formative years, you got to, um, get them reformed instead of, um, you know, like a, a consistent influence other than your parents. You had these, um, you know, kind of it was a journey of different influences. For you, it's normal. For you, that yeah. became normal. But for other yeah. people where, you know, like I know traveling in America, you know, well, when I was, oh my goodness, I think I was early 20s. I was early 20s and I was in Dallas, Texas. And um, I was talking to a lady who would have probably been in her 30s or 40s, and um, she'd never left Dallas. Mm. And I'm a New Zealander who had, you know, travelled, by then I'd travelled to um, Los Angeles and stuff like that, and then, and then gone back home. And then I'd left and gone to uh, you know, Los Angeles, driven around in America a bit, and then was in Dallas, Texas. And I never forget that this person hadn't left their city as such, you know, like maybe a little bit, but hadn't, definitely hadn't left their state. And yeah. um, I was like, just, I, I couldn't imagine it. Yeah. Couldn't imagine it. But there is a lot of people actually I've encountered and they actually, and some, they don't need to travel. They don't, huh? they, it is not necessary for them to travel. Thank goodness. And, There's uh, not enough space for them all to go. <laughs> <laughs> then yes i i continue with a little bit with the story then i i kind of grow grow up and moving around and that transfer and i was also the only child and a woman then that was a kind of tricky and uh, the family was very my great grandfather uh, was actually a very important uh, basque sculptor Oh, really? Because wow. he kind of, he was in the point of moving from classic sculpture to modernism. <laughs> and that is why he kind of is the one of the pivoted points. And you can see his work in the Museum of Fine Arts in Bilbao, quite widely displayed. And then I came with this idea when, okay, you need to go to the university, what you are going to do. Then I say, I want to be an artist. And my whole family, but the family in, in all. No, no, all of them, family. all of them, not just your parents. All of them. Said, no, 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 no. Like, no way. <laughs> it's too bohemian. You are a girl. Forget it about it. Nothing, nothing. Really? It then, made a big difference being a woman? Yeah. Yeah. Because I, I still for them, yes. It was like a, maybe because they all were living. My grandfather was a painter, even uh -huh. also was also an engineer. And also they have, because my, supposedly I didn't leave, I, I met my grandfather. He was very, he was already very sick, but the, and I was like a six years old and I right. was a very scary man for me. <laughs> but <laughs> but um, how the stories then they count is they will move. The whole family will move to Paris for because the friends, Picasso, Dali, whatever they were in France, in Paris, then they will move and then they will go to some places and they will go from Bilbao to Madrid and this. Then for my grandmother, then no, from the, the, the artist was the family of my grandfather. But for my grandmother, there was more, you know, a stable, kind of stable and more, you know, what proper and what has to be. That yeah. was a, a gypsy life. This idea, then you take the whole family and then go to Paris and then go to this and then go to Biarritz and then go to Germany. It was just like, a, oh, no, 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 no. <laughs> then, they, then must have, they must have gone, who has she married? Like, they must have, you can imagine the discussions they must have had at night going, <laughs> what has this woman done? That was our daughter. 
Because then one day, one day I, I arrived with the idea that, oh, I want to be an artist. They associate with that type of life of, ah, you know, of late night, uh, yeah. drinking, bohemian, and now this. And, Sounds you know, fantastic. <laughs> and, and actually, I do it now. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> 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 the, the, the option was, okay, listen, you like mathematics, you're very good in mathematics, you like art, what is the closest of all of this? Oh. Architecture. Okay. I so they almost that. chose that for you because of your skill sets. Yeah. Then I was kind of a smart, I knew if, I knew then if I, everything that has to do with the study, if I will follow an study, I then will do whatever I want to do. Yeah, of course. And that, yeah. that now was my strategy. That will give you the freedom <laughs> yeah. to actually yeah. make the choice. Yeah. Yeah. Then that was my strategy. Okay, fine. Doesn't sound too horrible. Then and then slowly, slowly, I I I okay, I begin architecture, then I begin architecture in, in the Canary Islands. But I knew that they were only there for a few years, and then I have to move to Madrid. Then I moved to Madrid by myself. Right. <laughs> then I begin to do my little step by 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 being independent. Yeah. <laughs> Madrid's finished... a fabulous city as well. It's a very <laughs> you know? vibrant city. Then I went by myself, and um, and I begin to be to do architecture. And in one point, I doubt myself, and I wanted to continue. And my mother was very smart very intelligent she was very intelligent yeah and in her reaction of my call two months before the year was over the school year was over calling her to say <laughs> i, don't, I don't like architecture i want to quit that's it this you know i am out of here <laughs> my mother was like well it's only two months for the end of the school year summer is here let's continue and then you know the summer when let's get it done and the then house. decide and, yeah, yeah. In the summer when you come to the home to the house we will talk and if you don't want to come back then you don't come back and the summer came i say okay i'm going back yeah. <laughs> yeah i think that happens to um a lot of us and and kids especially i know with my own children that is that thing the the pressure or the emotion of the moment shouldn't be confused with the um, goal or the journey. You know, yeah. it's part of the journey. It's part of the up and the down of the journey. If it doesn't yeah. have texture, it's boring, you know, like, yeah. And, yeah. and then, and you don't value it either. You, you lose the value. You know, yeah. that when we go and talk about, you know, um, human condition, how it's <laughs> developed, that was one of the reasons I thought it was really interesting to go. So what developed your personality um, and then, you know, like you said, with your parents, like going, well, you know, you're artistic and you're, you're really good with math. So you've got the analytics as well as the, um, mm -hmm. the vision. Um, it's a good calling for somebody who has that and probably, probably just a little bit better than art as uh, being an artist, as, as in there's more security in it. You know, not everybody needs art. I think they do, but. Not everybody has to have art, but everybody has to have shelter. And um, yeah. yeah, that is true. Yeah. Then as I continue, then I begin to really fall in love with it. And yeah. I begin to see kind of, I will say, I the thing became then everything is architecture. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Everything can inspire architecture. Then to read a book or to find a book in a library in 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 the you know in a small corner of used book can be something fascinating and it's and from there you create something gives yeah. you the idea to to do something um i discovered for example my first trip to new york then i came i was doing my phd and a group of the 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 professor and his wife then was you know doing who was the professor of three of us that we were doing our dissertation with him, came because one of them was doing a dissertation on minimalism oh. and land art. 
and it was not possible to find anything related with land art and minimalism in Spain. And it was a good excuse to come to New York. <laughs> <laughs> maybe, maybe, yeah. <laughs> and then it was like, she was like, I cannot go alone. Then we were friends and I, I, another friend of mine said, come with me. Then the three of us came with the professor. And Fantastic. I remember then I was at a MoMA and we were all, you know, looking for books, each one doing their own thing. And all of a sudden I came about this beauty. I discovered this beautiful book by Sam Hunter of uh -huh. Isamu Noguchi. And uh, I was like fascinated and I bought it. And I bought it and I, everybody was carrying their own books at the end of the day to, to the hotel. And they were like, what do you bought? And I got Isamu Noguchi and they were like, where did you find out? Oh, well, I'm Mama. <laughs> and, uh, and I became, for example, fascinated with his work. Yeah. And I identify completely with him in a in part, kind of a strange way of his, of his sense of no belonging. And uh, because he was half American and half Japanese, and yes, yeah. I was, I am only one race, I am only a Spaniard, but because but I was, you live in a different culture being in the US. Yeah, then I was different, living in different places, then every time when I arrived to Spain, I was different, I was different of all my peers, of all my friends, I, I was odd. Yeah. Then I was always feel no belonging. Then I identify with his work, but I identify also with him with a sense of no belonging. Then to the point then I managed to get my change the subject of my dissertation. And I did my PhD on Isamu Noguchi and his uh, public spaces. Right. And I wrote a book and that is what brought me to New York because it was not well known but I have a very good idea yeah. <laughs> and, and I found a publishing company. Then they want to do uh, my Noguchi book. Oh, and, uh, and then at that time in 90, in October, 1992, the Fulbright commission, it had a special grant. Then was for exchange between um, American culture and Spanish culture because of the discovery of America. Yes. Then I got the Fulbright, this special Fulbright, uh, you know, uh, kind of a side uh, a grant uh, to write the book on Noguchi. Then I arrived to New York. I didn't know anybody really except the <laughs> editor of my book. And at that time we had in the School of Architecture, we had invited, I was teaching already there just kind of totally new and yeah. horrible teacher because I was so nervous when I was teaching. <laughs> <laughs> all, those, all those students that you left behind. <laughs> no, I was so engaged with them that it was not, never enough hours because yeah, I was right. so, so dedicated to work so with them in the project. And, and the other professors were getting angry with me. Anna, you only have two hours and you are here for four. What are you doing? Yeah, I'm getting, I'm doing this thing. I'm doing what needs to be done. Yeah. Then, um, uh, then I, I remember then I had met because he came to give a lecture, Kevin Roach. And I called him and I called him say, hey, I am in New York. I am here for six months to write a book. And this was, uh, I arrived here in Halloween. <laughs> then my editor of the book say, okay, get a costume. We are going to a Hollywood, uh, 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 Halloween party. Yeah. And Kevin uh, told me, what are you doing for Thanksgiving? And I'm like, Thanksgiving? When? What? 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 Yeah, what? <laughs> then he invited me from, for Thanksgiving. And then is when I met... Um, I was in the house, uh, they were celebrating Thanksgiving with the group of people then kind of move the, the, the office of Eros Sarinen. She's uh -huh. yeah. Kevin Roach, uh, John Dinkelo. And when Eros Sarinen passed away, they were the group of the architects that were working on his office, then took over the right. work of John Dinkelo 
and keep moving it forward. And then they became, you know, different offices. CISA mm-hmm. became his mm-hmm. office, Kevin Roach and Dinkelo begin, and they took the work of Erosarinen. Then since then, since that happened, they had the costume to celebrate Thanksgiving together. And Kevin thought then was a very good introduction. He was very generous um, and very good introduction for me being new to have the opportunity to, to meet all these fabulous amazing yeah architects then that is how i met and i met diana um caesar's uh, Pelly's wife and she offered me a job <laughs> and so the rest is history yep <laughs> and working um in a studio of that kind of level you know where it's um i mean there's thousands of fantastic architects but these people are ones that stand head and shoulders above others. Um, what did you learn about their approach and thinking? Like what 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 came from that? From being um, in that environment that you don't think you would have got if you if you didn't work in somewhere like that. If you you know if you went and worked for a mainstream firm or something. What was the, what's the kind of level of difference that happens? Well, one of the things, and it's that is a, let us go back to the human condition, sorry. One of the things then um, have the pleasure and the honor to meet and to see the work with Kevin Roach and with Cesar Pelli and work in the projects with Cesar Pelli for eight years. Uh, it was their generosity. It was amazing. As a personal, they were very generous with me. I, in every single sense of the word. Mm-hmm. And uh, from a point of view of work, it kind of that sense that everything is possible. Mm-hmm. I don't know how to explain it. It's no. very difficult to explain. It was like a, and a very um, uh, kind of the importance of respond to the client. Even if it was, and I have the opportunity to work on the Petronas Towers. I have the oh, opportunity wow. to work yeah. on the Osaka Museum. I have the opportunity to work in Abando Ibarra, uh, Bilbao, of course, because I am from Spain. Mm-hmm. Um, but it was really, they were listening to the client. They were recommending to the client, and maybe they will be very uh, strong you know, sure. on their principles on the mm-hmm. design, mm-hmm. but they were listening to the client. They were not, they were not ignoring the client's requests or yeah. requirements. Their ego never got in the way of the yeah. of the client. But at the same time, they were, you know, they were unstoppable. Yeah, it's like a, I had the opportunity to present because I, we were doing. I was working with Diana. A, for example, in the Petronas Towers, and I was the design, the head designer for all the landscape. Right. And we were connected. The master plan um, was done also for the landscape by Burle Marx's office. Then we have a point of connection, and I have to, to, to talk with them and to kind of how to coordinate with them. Yeah. And yes, they, you know, Burle Marx was very respectful and everybody was saying, you know, it's Burle Marx. But at the same time, it was this idea, Anna, you cannot give an inch of our design, of our territory. Yeah, right. This is our design. Then at the same time of listening to everything, it was very the pride of we are, and you don't, you know, you you don't give up your design or your concept or your desire you will try to make a work and you will arrive to a compromise but you don't give you don't give in yeah right right you win the battle you win the war win the fight yeah, yeah. then we will be doing a presentation with um i remember with the prime minister in kuala lumpur and uh, and kevin was also doing it both are friends, both are doing it, you know, both are having Thanksgiving together for years and yes. years to come and 4th of July and whatever. But when the presentation, for example, came, they were like a bulldozers. 
it was like a Caesar was the first one. And if Caesar needs three hours and that will encroach on the time of Kevin, didn't matter because what it mattered was the presentation of Caesar was superb. Right. You know, then at the same time, it was this kind of set of mind, then you are there to win, doesn't matter what. And you are going to arrive to the to the, you know, to the finish line, doesn't matter what. And you are going to arrive with a gold medal. And the rest of the world doesn't matter because you need to arrive there. Right. Wow. It was quite, quite fascinating to the point then it was, we were all traveling for like, I was in Kuala Lumpur, I think two nights. Yeah. And I left because we were traveling just very short period of time because uh, the budget was important for the Uh client. You don't overcharge, then you need two nights because it's just the time zone doesn't allow you to do do less than that, but nothing because of more. And the models and everything will be sent beforehand. But just in case something went wrong, we were all traveling with a small, you know, thing of, Yes. Color pencils and tape and glue and so you whatever. could make something happen if you needed to. If yeah. you needed in the last minute, then yeah. yeah, I think I don't know if I am answering your question. Oh, but. you are absolutely you are. <laughs> what What's interesting is is you know like what I've taken from it is there's a there's a definite drive, and there is a whilst the, you, you're always listening to the client. Um, you can't let the client take the the project off track. Um, you have to get to the end, but you have to get to the end, as you said, like with a gold medal, not necessarily first as such, not beating everybody, but you have to get there with the intention you started out with, which is to create something that's world-class. And to create this world-class piece, you have to be firm about it as well. It's like, you know, if you want to be a world-class athlete, you have to train. And you know how much training you have to do. In fact, you probably have to do more than you think you have to do. And you dedicate yourself to doing that and don't let anything else get in the way of it. And those yeah. firms, um, from what I've taken, drive very, yeah. very, very deliberately that way. Um, and, and also they create kind of a team. It's like, for example, Cesar and I know more familiar with Cesar and with Kevin, they have a team, like they were five project managers in Cesar office, then they were, you know, they were driving and they were driving everybody, they they were totally devoted, loyal, and in love with Cesar, they will do whatever they will do for Cesar, and they will not let him down at all yeah he can't fail they will always hold him up yeah then they were these five guys you know he had an office of 250 people when i met him but that five guys were the hearts because they were the project managers and they were project managers they were the ones that translate to the designers what the client wanted they will review the design before to say, no, this doesn't work to this client. No, this is out of budget. No, this is this. And that five uh, five project managers will be the kind of right, right left hand side of Caesar. And Always. that will be the, you know. Yeah. They're, they're almost like one person, um, yeah. but they're five, they're five pieces of that all covering the bases. And do, with that, with that knowledge and that experience, what have you done with your own firm? How how do you manage your own firm um, to have, you know, how did you take that experience and knowledge and and drag it forward into what you do today? Well, <clears throat> kind of doing the opposite. <laughs> <laughs> uh, one of the things that I um, kind of. Uh, and you need to think in Diana, we were only 10, yes. uh, 10, 10 people. Yes. Um, but um, doing the opposite in the sense of, yes, 
of course, with Cesar and with uh, Kevin, they were five and they were involved on in the design, but there were so many people, so many projects, so much traveling. Uh, then it was impossible to be in everything. Everything was kind yes. of creating a vocabulary. Mm -hmm. Then the, that vocabulary will be teach and taught to everybody. Yeah, and that vocabulary like a, will pass on. Like a culture. To, yeah. You, you create but, a culture and it has its own language. And in it having its own language, it has its own vision, it has its own views of how it sees things, it has a, a worldview or a project view. And, you know, you take one hat off in this project to put a different hat on on this project. And they have a culture that runs with it, which is probably yeah. client-centric as much as it is um, office-centric or, or firm-centric. Um, the, the client is a part of that culture as well. Yeah, because they want to have that Cesar Pelli building or that Kevin Roach building. Then yes. when you are in the city, if you're really careful, you will identify which are the, the yes. buildings of Kevin Roach or what are the buildings of Cesar Pelli. I, I, and, I have um, friends who are architects who, um, it blows me away, like I couldn't tell you who designed anything. Um, but they will go, we will be somewhere, and they will have the depth of knowledge on who designed what um, and when, and where, when they were became known and why they were known, you know, like what, what, what formed um, their genius and, uh, and who, who else has copied it, who else was influenced by it, you know. I find that fascinating. That, it's almost the academic side of it, but it's um, it's it's amazing to be able to sort of unpack those journeys. I'm used yeah. to say that, but I love listening to other people do it. No, but if you, without not having all this uh, amazing academic background and you were explaining to your friends, you, if you are, you know, you are familiar with that office, you identify who is who, just how is look, how the materials are used, how yeah. the window is placed, all that kind of things. Then I, then I, Kind of early on, I decided then I don't want to have a big office. I wanted to have um, a small office. Mm -hmm. Then each project gets completely individual. And if it's my my style or my, say, trade mate is not completely identified with each project, it's fine with me. Right. Um, then. <laughs> yeah, that, then, I like this. Yeah. Then it was so funny because I went to have an interview with a PR company at one point and I decided, oh, let us do a PR, this and that. And I actually I went to the PR then and Diana was using, Diana Valmori was using, and um and <laughs> I already have my own firm. And Diana said, No, talk with her. Talk, talk. Her name was Antu. Talk with her. She's fa fabulous out of the world. Then I came with my buildings and this and that. And then she was very, you know, very direct. And she said to me, okay, Ana Maria, everybody's doing corking walls yep. and everybody is doing these glass buildings and you are bringing me here, a building is under under, uh, under the earth and you only can see a plaza on top. What do you want me to do with that? Oh, really? <laughs> it's, very it's going to be very difficult to work with you. You are completely not following. <laughs> You're not following the, the, the crowd. You know, you're It'd be easier if I could if you'd follow the crowd because then I could make parallels to it and I know where you fit. Mm. Then well, you what were you doing? <laughs> then um, they I think the influence of the positive influence of that was I need to listen to the client and uh -huh. the client is the first thing and doesn't matter what the job has to be finished yes. and it needs to be finished in the best possible way they make it happen you know then yeah. i think that is what after all these funny parts is, yes that is that's what I, you took from it though that it needs yeah. to be finished and it needs to be finished to that level yeah yeah, yeah. yeah. i love that yeah. i love that i think that's a really like definitive part of um you know like going okay this is this is the outcome this is the final goal yeah um when we were chatting before we started recording, you said to me, there's the concept of beauty, fashion, and personal style. Um, and that really resonated with me. Uh, I, I used to work in the fashion industry as a designer for quite a few years. And, you know, people say, oh, well, that's trendy. And, um, you know, like 
most of us that work in the in a creative industry, we can spot what's trendy, um, and we are very mindful of the timestamp that it puts on things. Um, and yet, it's often fun to play with. People say to me sometimes, so I do a bit of trend reporting work, and they say to me, "Why do trends even matter?" And I go, "Well, they don't." In fact, they don't matter. But what happens is, is when there is a trend, a major part of the marketplace moves towards that trend and then the supply of things move towards that trend and then it becomes um, difficult to get things or you have to create, you have to go work harder to create things outside of that trend. Um, you know, like we have a massive trend at the moment of screening. Um, you know, screening off buildings, screening off places, um, which well, screening's been around forever, but this um, trend that's happening with it, you know, re re resurfacing buildings uh, with screens um, that once were probably curtain walls uh, or still are curtain walls, but there's a screen in front of them and things to create dimension and shape and form. Um, I look at it and I go, you know, architecture can become very homogenized very quickly um, with trends. And uh, I was just, uh, I've just returned from um, a conference in the US with the Texas Society of Architects. And I was looking at different buildings and that we were, or our homes that we were in. And um, they all responded beautifully to their environment, but I probably could have un, un, you know, unplugged some of them and bought them with minimal change and put them in this environment. And one of them was in, you know, in the Grand Teton Mountains, and I'm talking about putting it as a coastal home. Um, and so this homogenization uh, that we have from the likes of, you know, Pinterest and Instagram and being able to see things everywhere all the time, um, you know, information is so uh, available to us. And guiding a client to see beyond a trend and also so that the architecture responds to not just them as a client but them as the environment it's in um, rather than it i mean everything that we do destroys something um you know we put a, a block of something on somewhere somewhere on the land that destroys something underneath it um, so, yeah, when we talk, when you said about that beauty, fashion, personal style, I'd love you to unpack that a little bit for me um, yeah. and people's human behavior around that. Yeah, totally. I am agree with you. I Sometimes I think um, what I see is I feel sometimes then the trend is dangerous in a way mm. um, because it kind of gives only one possibility and put uh, the mindset uh, more for developers and sometimes also for the clients, then the only option is this way of doing it. And um, sometimes, and I had that discussion and sometimes kind of, you know, kind of a little bit heated uh, with real estate brokers, uh -huh. then they are the ones that work with developers uh, because I have some developers uh, mm -hmm. as a client. Um, then I do something. Oh, the the people doesn't like this. Yeah. I say, how you know that? <laughs> exactly. Uh, because sometimes I find myself then I am talking with a future clients and I give them another idea. Maybe they don't like it at the end, but those many times happen. Then oh, we didn't thought about that. Yeah. Maybe it's a good idea. Then. If you give them to everybody the same, if you are doing the same like everyone, then they are going to choose whatever is within their budget or closer to home or the best school for their kids. But if you want to do something a little bit different. If you want to progress, the, if you want to go yeah, forward. Yeah. With the choice of materials, the layout of the space, how you uh, give them better you know, bigger windows, yeah. a, a more other type of different. If you give them that option, maybe you will be a winner too. It doesn't need to be. Then the trend sometimes 
for me and experience that I have is create also kind of um, dismissal of the capacity of the people to choose. Oh, they will not mm-hmm. understand that. In this neighborhood, they will not understand that. I'm like, why you put the people down? Yeah, why, yeah, why do you limit them? Yeah, then that is, um, and then we give them more with the, the developers, the, the, the development or promotions or whatever, is everything the same, then we don't give room to the personal style of the person, uh, to the person, the personal style means the, 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 there are people that like colors, there are people that they like wallpaper, yeah. wallpaper flowers in the yeah. room, yeah. you can hate it. But, yeah, but that's what they love. Yeah, then it's not that you need to provide them with that, but maybe a little bit of flexibility. Mm-hmm. Then they can incorporate something. Then is more make it more personal, make it more unique for them. Yes, yes. Then, uh, that is what I meant. That is what I. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I love that. I love that way you unpack that. You know, as you say, you know, there's beauty, and beauty is usually enduring. Um, and then there's fashion, which is more the trend, um, but it pushes forward constantly. And fashion always looks backwards to, to push forward. And I think architecture does as well. Um, sure. And then there's personal style. And as you say, giving people the respect um, to A, maybe discover their personal style, B, to develop it, or C, to express it as it is. Um, yeah. within uh, the, the structure or the, within the, the, the space. Um, I think that that's, uh, it, it gives people the right and the dignity to be heard and to be understood. Um, yeah. And, 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 and you're the expert that can pull that around. Yeah, and also not only that, sometimes I have been, the other day I had an interview, I did something and somebody recommend me, you know, the yeah. usual and um and they wanted to have something but the conditions were completely different of their space i did kind of a pool house with a garden and in a backyard and it was very successful and um and then this uh, other person then was i was recommended to they didn't have a backyard but they have an amazing landscape with a little pond then you could see but it was very long and very narrow not possible to put up Pool yeah. house yeah. <laughs> for that, but they had an amazing pond with trees cascading to the, the landscape going, you know, sliding yeah. down to the pond. Then I met her and I see then we were going to be into different kind of mindsets. Then I say, Well, I am not going to give you a proposal of my fees yet. Let us talk about the concept. Let me present you my concept then we will discuss it. And then if you think that we work, then I will give you a proposal. The proposal for my fees. Yeah. And she didn't like it. There you go. Because I was focusing on the landscape. Uh And I said to her, she was cutting trees and doing this. And I was like, you have a garden. And you can, and because her main idea was, I need to make my friends and they come, then it's going to have an, an, um, kind of a unforgettable experience. Yes, but unforgettable experience by things, by by a pergola, by at least and that. And I was like, you can do it, but with the landscape that you have, yeah. you have a pond that nobody else has, <laughs> not your friends has, and you have a pond. Then you said, then that is what also fashion and trendy is dangerous. They put the people in a mindset of something they, they see in Instagram. Mm-hmm. I think you just say that in Instagram or in this, and then they want to translate it into their place. And of course you can do it, but it, it's not the right thing to do. You know what I no, mean? No, it's not responding to the right environment. Yeah. That's- I think this is a really interesting point, especially from a business point of view. Um, I always say to clients, let's talk first and you know, then we'll meet. Um, but if there's no magic, there's no magic. Yeah. I don't want to do it. Yeah. 
I only do it if there's magic. Like, and they don't want me either. No, it'd be a disaster. <laughs> it'd be a disaster. You know, you, you say to me, I don't eat Chinese food, and I go, I only cook Chinese food. <laughs> so sit down and eat. <laughs> it's the same thing, isn't it? You know, like it, yeah. it, it, it's a disaster. It's a, you know, it's a train wreck waiting to happen. Um, yeah. And uh, you're better off to both recognize um, that it isn't a match. And that's okay. Yeah. You know, we, don't, we don't go, you know, and marry every person we meet, you know, that kind of thing. It's like, you know, there's only, there's only a number of people that the match is good. Um, yeah. I think yeah. it's a really valuable thing to, um, to discover that. We do, I do a very similar thing. I, I have a meeting with people, um, which they pay for, but um, long before we discuss fees. And yeah. if there's no magic, there's no magic. There's no, because, yeah, I, it's one of my first conditions when I say, let me go to see your place. Yeah. I don't care if it's a garden, if it's an yeah, empty lot, yeah, or it's inside of an apartment. Yeah. Let me go to see it. I never do anything over the phone. Yeah. Let me go to see it. And then when I see it and we see it, then I talk about it, what is inspired me and what I think, listening to what they have. And I say this, sometimes works, sometimes doesn't work. But, you know, it's, have, I have done that. Sometimes I, I love I love that there can be a tension there that you have to um, that you actually have to pull through that piece of tension and then the magic's just on the other side. It's it's like you have to work for the relationship. Um, yeah. and then all of a sudden that relationship blossoms because the work got put in and you learn so much about. You know, people, I, I, I sometimes, you know, you have a client who will draw something and um, they'll go, I love it. And I'm like, no, 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 no. no. <laughs> you can't love it just like that. That's not okay. Because this is my idea from what we've learned so far, but we're on a journey. We're not just, um, and we're not getting married this afternoon just because you love this. <laughs> we need to check each other out a little more than this. You know, I want the journey from it. Um, and sometimes in the office, they'll say to me, um, oh, that's fantastic. We'll just do that. I'm like, no, 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 no. <laughs> No, 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 we won't. <laughs> well, actually, we'll work harder. We'll work harder. Actually, something happened. Kind of, it was kind of an interesting thing. Um, we were doing with a very good client. We did several projects in the in the Hamptons and in the city. Then go back in the city, go back in the Hamptons, in throughout years. And we were working on the tram tower. And he yeah. only, there is only one duplex in the Trump Tower in Colombo Circle. And the stair of the original duplex was horrendous. It's like if you were a little bit taller than me and I am, I am normal size, yeah. with, with, if I put high heels and I am taller, then you will hit yourself with the, land, the corner of the landing of this stair. And we want to change it. Then I have this idea. Um, then the client loved it. We, you know, it was fine. And then it was time to present it to the building. And then we presented to the building and the building was no way. No. You are not going to chop this lab to open this new location of this new estate in here because the noise is going to be unbearable and no, the neighbors is not going to happen. Then you have this space, you can change the stair, but this is the hole that you have in this lab. And that is what that's where you can work with. That's it. You cannot move it one <laughs> inch, no left, no right, nothing. Then we finish doing a glass stair, half of the way a spiral, all structurally supported with glass. Wow. And in the end, it was spectacular. And I remember the client say, Why, well, you know, Anna, after you know, we finished and we did a model and this and that, he was like, You know, Anna, thanks to the building to tell us. Then they didn't want to open us, they didn't let us to open the the slab, you thought more. <laughs> you worked harder for the solution. And you got a better stair. I was like, uh -huh. yeah, 
thanks God to the building. <laughs> I, do you know, I, I see this happen and I hear it talking to architects often. Um, sometimes, the always actually, not sometimes, always the biggest restrictions create the best innovation. Mm-hmm. There still has to be reasonableness in it um, mm-hmm. because there are some things, you know, you... you you can't make a you know a three foot wide thing in a two foot wide space. Yeah, sure. <laughs> but beyond that, um, it creates the innovation, and the innovation is what pushes it forward. And then the next person who sees that staircase sees that solution, and then they innovate from that. Well, they either steal it directly or they innovate to, from that solution. Um, yeah. And it, yeah, it's fascinating. I love that. Um, yeah, you, you, you get restricted, so then you go, there's another way to skin the cat, as they would say. Um, yeah. And I am a- sure that you have that experience too. When the clients say, no, I don't like this, the next design that you do is better. Always, always, yeah, yeah. Always, you know? there's always something that um, when the client, like I, I, as I said, like the client says, I love it. It's like, no, 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 no you can't love it. You can't love it yet. We haven't had time to fall in love. We've just met. Um, we have to work this design harder so that we find we find the, the personality of it. Yeah. And we and we blend the personality. Um I have uh, you've obviously worked on some you know incredible um projects. I have a question which is um it, it's uh, we could talk for a week, I am sure. When we get together in New York, we will. Um, for sure. And I've got friends I want to introduce you to there as well. Um, I've got this favourite question of mine, which is um, it's kind of a wrap-up question. If, if you had one last project you could execute, only one, and then you mm-hmm. could never do another project, this is it, you're done. It's your final project. What would you choose and why would you choose it? What would it be? You can choose anything and it doesn't I, even have to be client-driven. Actually, I would choose something that has been, I have been thinking and developing for some time and sometimes takes time. Because I believe that architecture is important to give dignity to people mm-hmm. that maybe doesn't have too much means or, um, or a whatever possibility and have to be a special. I have been developing for some time. Is It's like a tiny house, but not a tiny house. It's kind of, all is based on, you remember the beautiful cabana that Le Corbusier designed for himself in in the woods and it has everything, Mm -hmm. but it's amazingly designed and everything is completely compact. Mm -hmm. Then I will say to design that. And to, and to be, but also be low budget. The reality, reality is cost, is cost, very cost effective. No, something then costs you $20,000. Yeah. Then it costs you much less than that. And wow. it's completely self-sufficient. Then you can, it can be built. It can be used as like a, a new step for somebody yeah. to rebuild the house. All of us, we have, we have helped in one point or another. Uh-huh. We have never been doing the things by ourselves. No, we, we always, uh, we're, we're always, there is always more than us in the picture. Yeah, somebody has been helping us in one mm-hmm. moment or another or mm-hmm. in more than one moment somehow. Mm-hmm. And I feel very lucky enough that I have the opportunity to learn and to travel and my family provide me with all of that. And um, then I think that will be the project to finalize. To I have done different versions. We have been doing things that are movable and yes, and presented to competitions and things like that. But if I have one project, I would like to to make realize that particular one. I love that. 
I love that. I think, you know, it, it's interesting. I ask this question of quite a few people, not everyone, but quite a few people, and I get some incredible answers. Um, and, you know, from creating churches or spiritual places or um, schools, um, parks, um, just about everybody, and, and I guess I don't ask it of everybody, but just about everybody I ask it of, it is something that is selfless for them. It's some, um, yes, they would maybe, you know, enjoy it or, you know, a park or a church or a spiritual place or something like that. But it's all, just about every architect I've asked it of, it is for the greater good of somebody else. Um, and, and to connect that person with something that is of great design and, and, and or, or better design. Um, you know, we, we were talking beforehand and we were talking about the fact that um, in design of things, there was no reason for people to have, you know, essentially bad design other than um, there is so little thought given to so much design um, or there is so much ego put against um, design. So this thing of actually bringing people's own uh, emotional wellness from design, I think, is a really important thing. You know, I, I often say to clients, you know, we'll work out whether you're left-handed or right-handed. Um, you know, predominantly, like, how will your house operate? Can we make it easier based on this, um, based on the, your habitual things that you've already got? We can make you learn new habits. That's okay. But mm -hmm. if we don't have to, we can bring you more ease more quickly. Um, and then we can bring delight and surprise and joy, um, yeah. which we need to do as well. We need to surprise you. We need to, you know, put bring light in through the, the roof maybe in a certain way and know that it's going to fan across a wall in a certain way um, that you might only see 20 days of the year, but when you see it, it will bring joy to you. Um, I think this is a really important part about what design can do because everything that nature didn't do, we did. Or when I say we, not you and I necessarily, everybody did, everybody designed mm -hmm. things. And so much of it so poorly done um, because it's just at that raw necessity um, and it hasn't evolved beyond that. And so I love this concept of the, um, you know, designing for the human condition at, and of the individual. Yeah, because I, I don't know, maybe, of course, everything is, from a personal point of view. Mm. But I really believe each of us with our own sense of beauty, we get very, it's very rewarding oh. to be surrounded by beauty. Yeah. However you define beauty, yeah. you know? Um, it's like a choosing a partner. You maybe like it, you know, a small, fat and bold. Yes. Another person like a tall, handsome man, yeah. you know, yeah. a fantastic build. But it's the sense of, with whatever sense of beauty and the people choose, we choose it in cross, you know, we not really put conscious on it, but we go to buy a cup of tea, you know, just the, the cup. You choose it based, yeah, price too, but within, say, on the range of price, we choose whatever we think is more beautiful. Yeah, we're drawn to something. For something. Then yeah. I think then um, to be, when you arrive to a place, doesn't matter if it's minimum, minimum. Mm -hmm. And it's, you open one door and you need to close the other door to, to function. But if it's done with call, what I call beauty, with a, maybe it's proportion, yeah. maybe it's the relationship with the space, how you are feeling then is the right proportion with a human body, then you don't feel too tight or too yeah. constrained. 
uh, that is maybe for me what is defined beauty and they have natural light coming from someplace and 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 i don't feel oppressed then i think the spirit of that person that is living that space is going to be uplifted and then from there can move on to better and greater things i love that i love that and then if we can do that with design then what a gift to give yeah. That's that's a really beautiful gift to give. I had a podcast early on in the podcast, and, and um, uh, it, it, the, the person I was talking to said, you know, well, really all we do is, is we take a whole bunch of boxes and we stack them together in some form and, you know, they become spaces and then we try and fill those with light and air. And I went, it pretty simplifies what we're talking about. <laughs> and then he went on to say, um, and these boxes are where humans go and, and live in, you know, live in these boxes. And we have to bring them, you know, these boxes have to bring them into that space and make that space feel secure, make it feel um, exciting or relaxing. And I was like, yeah, it's such a beautiful way to look at it. And I, I interviewed a guy called Christopher Travis recently, and uh, he is doing some, uh, well, he's done a lot of work over the years, but with um, the emotions of each space and uh, in the emotions of each space, he does a, um, a scary amount of work with each client to understand their emotional values on different spaces but something that he does that uh, I've never heard of anybody doing before, he might write, um, you know, this might be main bed or bed one or whatever you call it, master bed, whatever it's called. Um, and then he writes the emotions that each of the, so it's a couple, the emotions of each of the couple are underneath where it says bed one. He writes her emotions and his emotions that need to be delivered in this room and then wow. explains how he's delivered them those emotions. Wow. He does that by room by room. Wow, it's spectacular. Isn't it? Isn't it a beautiful yeah. idea? Um, it's amazing. It's and amazing. That's that thing of like, how am I going to bring this emotion to this space so that it nurtures and supports you as a human being? And when yeah. you said about doing, you know, like this, um, not tiny house, but small concept home where it um, has everything but without excess and without, you know, a butler's pantry and a, <laughs> a, a tennis, an indoor tennis court and a covered swimming pool and all these things. Um, but gives people those emotional values and senses um, that nurture them and develop them and make their life more joyful. And I really have a big thing on that where I think that um, if we can bring, bring joy through design, then we make the, the world just a little bit better for each person who experiences that, makes their day one step better. It makes their... Families, one step there. It's totally agree. And also, I think it has been so, uh, and I will be brief, just so kind of uh, in the in us, in all cultures. I, I did some, I designed some carpets and I did a collaboration with a foundation in Dubai, Denise, um, Empowering Women in mm. afghanistan yes. they're basically doing the carpets they are doing by these women then they are empowered them then that is important thing mm -hmm. and i was presenting them in the dubai design week in november last november and i met a lot of people because i was there and i was hey hello i am the designer and it was so fabulous because the i met a family then they were from Kafkat. I will not say it correctly. Well, yeah. and they told me, say, Anna, do you know the tradition of making carpets in our area? I say, no. I say, well, when you bring a design to them, huh, they create a poem mm. about the design. 
then when the waivers are waving the carpet, they are singing ah. that poem. Wow. And I feel like, can I do one of that, please? Oh, wow. <laughs> then I think it's what you were talking about, that sense of something has to, you know, to make it better. Somebody take the time to create a poem yeah. about that design. Yeah. And then they are singing it. They're infusing it with they love. Are, as mm -hmm. they are making that carpet. The, I think it's, we forget sometimes how important for us for for uh, uh, us is to do that yeah yeah to take that time i love that that's a beautiful closing note i really love that um yeah just infuse it with more joy um put that energy in it yeah anna maria what a fabulous chat thank you, thank so, you so much, much. <laughs> i so enjoyed it we'll post all your information and socials and everything for people to be able to find you seek you out um, <laughs> thank you so much Adrian. <laughs> just so beautiful thank you have a wonderful evening in new york thank you so much thank you Cheers. <laughs> richard's magic arrows is brought to you by the architect marketing institute clean simple sugar-free magic arrows that hit the mark for fast results let's fire a magic arrow into this week's problem now i know feed pressure is one of the biggest things facing designers it doesn't matter what level you're at. There is no one golden bullet for it. Uh, if it was, it was probably select the right type of clients. But if you're in a situation where you're being pressured on fees, I'm going to give you a way of dealing with it. And it's by asking, let's say, three questions. And this is called takeaway selling. So this is where you kind of offer something up and then you take it away and see if they follow you. It's almost like imagine if you had some hot ch chocolate cookies and you had a plate full of them. You put them in front of them, someone and then they went to reach out and then you, you pulled it away and you see if they get up and follow you. It's that type of thing. So this is called takeaway selling. So the first question you ask, you say, well, why don't you just leave the situation as it is? Why, why make the change? That's an unusual thing for a designer to say. Well, why not just leave it as it is and see how they answer? And then you might say, why did you want to speak to me? Why did you not get someone else? And see if they follow you. See if they answer properly. And the third question would be, well, why not do it later? Now, by asking these negative questions, you're going to get a lot more information out of someone than by trying to convince them to do it. Because by pulling the plate of hot cookies away, they're either going to react or they're not. And if they do react and give you answers and explain why it's important, then what they're doing is telling you how important something is. Now while these magic arrows are great for fast results, when you're ready to run better quality projects from clients who value great design and are prepared to pay great fees, I've got a special training just for you. Go to archmarketing.org forward slash talk design. Take your magic arrow and fire at will.